Ladies and gentlemen, you got Chris Thomas. You got Jamal Thomas. And you're listening to the Running Back Sports Show, Sports for the Culture. What's going on, everybody? What is going on? And you're listening to us on 98.5 WJYN, Uptown Radio Philly, and live on YouTube at Uptown Radio 98.5 and on UptownRadioPhilly.org. What is going on? What is going on? Everybody, happy December. Man, 2022 just came and went. Yeah, it did. Absolutely. And... If you want to call to join the discussion, the number is 215-763-9596. You want to talk about basketball, you want to talk about football. If you're a Yankees fan and you need a shoulder to cry out about Aaron Judge, we are not the, we are not the station for you. <sighs> but, you know we are the station for? The Trey Turner era has officially begun. Yesterday, Trey Turner officially came to f- made it official by be- by via free agency to become a Philadelphia Philly for an 11-year, $300 million deal to play shortstop and rejoin Bryce Harper as teammates. I love it. So, um, man, uh, where to start? Uh, a pretty incredible last four-year run for the Phillies um, leading up to, obviously, the World Series appearance and now signing Trey Turner. I wouldn't say is the peak. I'd say that at this point, this team and this organization is still ascending. Um, but if you'd have told me four years ago that not only would we have Bryce Harper, but Trey Turner, Kyle Schwarber, and Nick Castellanos on this team with a little sprinkle of homegrown guys and other signings that have worked out, whether that's JT, oh man, Brandon Marsh, and uh, man, it's a. Uh, it's been an awesome journey, but getting Trey is like, you know, the P's they, they resist on, so I don't know if I'm saying that right. I don't speak French. But um it's the it's it's the it's the one thing this lineup was missing. A true, genuine leadoff hitter. A guy that's always gonna get on base, that's always gonna put himself in a position to score, a guy with enough pop, maybe not to be Schwarby in the leadoff spot, but at least to surprise some teams, jump on some first pitch fastballs, especially in that low right uh that low left field. In Citizens Bank Park, um, you know, and I'm just imagining, you know, having him and then Schwarber and then Riamuto and then Harper and then Castellanos and then like Bryson and then Baum and just like, man, just going back and forth and back and forth with just hitters and guys who put pressure on people in lineups. And, you know, now my only thing is what are we going to do pitching wise? But I wanted to know from you, like, what does this do in your mind? How does this unlock this lineup? Well, it's also the biggest issue, which kind of haunted the Phillies last year, is that you already know who's leading off. And last year, that kind of struggled with that. They tried to do it with Gene Segura. He really didn't fit the mold on that. So, And they tried it with Kyle Schwarber. Schwarber, obviously, you know, did a lot of solo shots. But now, with if you want to do Trey Turner leading off and you want to move Schwarber to second, then that means, uh, a, deep set, that means a deep double gets um, – Turner home, and it's a blue single with Trey Turner speed at least gets him to first and third. Exactly. While the heart of your order is about to come up. So, and that's that's pretty much the biggest thing. It's that it solves the top of the order lineup. I keep seeing lineups where it's like, oh, Schwarber at one, Turner at two. I'm like, you don't pay $300 million for a guy of Trey Turner's speed and you have a bat second behind Schwarber. Yeah, no. That's a waste of his talent. No, you set up Schwarber to always have somebody on base. Exactly. You know, in a perfect world, 8, 9, and 10 would be Marsh, Stott, and Turner. It's just the only thing is Marsh, Marsh and Stott are both lefties, so you got to break them up. Yeah. So you'd probably go, probably go Stott, Baum. It also de- also depends on the pitching matchup. If you're going on the lefty, I think 
Then you got Veer League at center. That's true, or me time. Yeah. But I absolutely loved it. Um, you know, John Middleton has definitely shown over the past few years, like, hey, I want, I'm, I'm trying to win a ring. And he is sparing no expense in terms of what Dave Dombrowski's trying to do in terms of trying to win that championship. Yeah, no. Um, once again, we were kind of talking off air on the way over here, Chris and I, about um, what it means for a team or for an organization to kind of like go within their mind and be like, okay, this is what we're willing to do, or this is who we're willing to be, or this is what how we're willing to approach something, right? Mm-hmm. And um, whether it's like Steve Ballmer with the Clippers, Steve Cohen with the Mets, when it, when these investors or these owners see what the return is for in spending money, they will continue to spend money, you know? Mm-hmm. They will spend money to make um, make those people happy, and making those people happy brings them money, and winning brings them money. So now Middleton has seen the fruits of spending buku bucks to get guys. Yeah. So Bryce has paid off like he's kept – Saying whether on air or off air, Bryce has not only been worth the money, he's been underpaid at this point. So if Bryce wanted Trey, if 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 Rob Thompson wanted Trey, if Dombrowski wanted Trey, then we were getting Trey Turner no matter what. So and the fact that you know if the Padres report is you know true and the report out there is the Padres offered three hundred and forty two million for Trey <laughs> Turner, um, and he chose that to not only take less money but a no opt out, no trade clause, pretty much guaranteeing he ends his career in Philadelphia with Bryce Harper is is awesome. And like you don't see continuity like that. You're now building like you know. Obviously, Swerver only has a four year deal. Cassianos is a five year deal. So you know those two guys could change around the back end of Trey and Bryce's career, right? Same with JT. Same with JT, but let's just say for at least 2023 to 2026, barring injury or trade, you will have a lineup that includes Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, JT Romuto, Trey Turner, and Bryce Harper, no matter what. Every opening day, barring injury, you can guarantee that for at least the next four seasons. Mm-hmm, exactly. You can't you can't beat that. Then you know whatever you're going to pay Stott, boom, if they work out, Marsh, Feeling, those guys are probably more interchangeable with either. Same with Sosa. Exactly. So, I mean, man, we're set up to dominate. I, I would, I would say for the first time in a while, we we're the favorites in the NL East. We're clearly not afraid of the Braves after what we did to them in the playoffs this year. Um, you know, we're we're clearly um, not afraid of the Padres. Obviously, the Dodgers would be a team that I'd want to see us play in the postseason if we had to play a team. You know what I mean? If we're like, all right, who's a team you're kind of scared of or not really sure on how it's going to go against? I would say the Padres are that one team. Um, yeah. Yep. And there's only one thing left. Solidify the starting rotation. Exactly. Get some more middle relief pitching. Yeah. But then again, it's like if you want to do, because obviously our top three are a lot dead. Dola. Uh, Wheeler and Ranger, those are our top three guys. Easily. So if you want to continue with the development of like a Bailey Fulter, I'm all for it. Because in the end, you have to show some sort of development with your homegrown guys. I like spending money is nice, but also it's a healthy combination of spending money where you need to spend it and developing the right, developing homegrown talent 
and improving on their flaws. Like like Alec Boom. Like Alec Boom definitely took uh you know, turn back, uh, you know, definitely stepped up. Fielding his fielding has definitely improved. The power is slowly but surely is increasing by like every single year. And obviously, like hopefully by this year he'll be able to put more into it. Like I at least want to see like twenty home runs by the guy. Stott is really good in terms of working the pitch count, but I want to see that little batting average goes up. And Reese, listen, obviously Reese has been the the low hanging fruit when it comes to the Philly struggles. Like obviously his fielding is it Golden Glove, and his bat is pretty inconsistent. But especially now where Bryce probably going to be missing the first half of the season, we're going to need him to step up. And even if he's hitting around 260 and your defense is slightly slightly average, then that's something that will work in our favor, especially in terms of trying to make another run in October. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, obviously, you know, Painter could come up, Abel could come up possibly. Yeah. Um, you never know who'll be available in the trade market by the time July pops up. Sixel. Let it go. <coughs> But um, listen. Bring the boy home. What's going on with you, man? What, what do you mean? What's going on? Why you want six toes so bad? Since when? You haven't cared about this man. You didn't. You wasn't thinking about this man two months ago, and now all of a sudden, you watched the San- You was up on YouTube late at night and saw a six toes Sanchez highlight and was like, "We need that." I yeah. know you, Chris. Yes. I want to. I want at least a. I want a four man rotation in the postseason, which. I agree like, with you. We need a four-star. Yeah. I agree. Because I can't do the whole, like, oh, well, if we're doing Falter or, like, we're doing Thor, like, don't send the guard for, like, three innings. I'm like, I'm not used to seeing that. And then, like, because to me, that puts way too much pressure on the but bullpen. But that's spoiled. I mean, you're coming from the era where we had the four eights. Yeah, I, I get that. But it's like, can I at least get five innings from my starter? Instead no, of, fair. yeah, instead of, like, okay. At that point, I need your bullpen. I need my bullpen to play like six legitimate shutout innings. I mean, that's completely unrealistic, no matter how good your pitching staff is. That's very true. So, if I at least got four guys in my lineup, in which okay, I can at least get six innings out. My top two guys can give me at least seven and eight. If my other two can give me at least six, I'm fine with that. No, that's fair. I feel that. Yeah. Ultimately, I'm really excited. Uh, April can't come fast enough. Sure. Yeah. But also another news, like we almost had the bomb of the offseason happen, but apparently the news about Aaron Judge going to going home to play for the San Fran Giants, going home oh, to play That's Cal- Arson Judge to you, sir. Arson Judge. Uh, Aaron Judge's evil brother. <laughs> He plays with a flaming bat. Yep. No, but obviously we still got some big time free agents. Oh, uh, breaking news. Bellinger to the Cubs. Ooh. Cody's I, going to the Cubs. I like that. If Cody can bounce back, I would love to see a Cody Bellinger bounce back in the, in the, in, in, in the south side. Oh, or I'm man. sorry, in the north side. Excuse me. Yeah. Ooh, that's – the guy was an all-star like, what, three years ago? He was the MVP three years ago. Yeah. How many MVPs have the Dodgers have had over like the past like decade? Two or three. Well, I think Kershaw and Bellinger. 
Seeger was an MVP? Seeger was not. Seeger might have. No, Seeger's never won MVP. Okay. He was just an all star. Yeah, he was just an all star. Okay. Now, I like that move also. It's a low risk, high reward situation. And yeah, if Cody can bounce back, then that's, then that's phenomenal for them. But obviously, you know, we're still waiting on Aaron Judge news. Whether he, whether he still won a shortstop, so yeah, so still waiting on Aaron Judge news. We still got Sander Bogarts, you know, trying to figure out like where he's going to go. Uh, Sammy Dancer Swanson, uh, Jacob Degrom is officially out of the NL East. Philly fans rejoice. Well, everybody from the NL East rejoice. Thank God. Yeah, man. Don't worry, Mets fans. Found a perfect replacement for him, Justin Verlander. Bruh. With a two-year, oh, $86 million dollar deal. What did you just realize? <sighs> we got Justin Verlander in at least. I was really celebrating the DeGrom thing, and as you were saying, I was like, ha, ha, yeah. And then you said the Verlander thing. And I was like, hold on, who signed Ver? Oh. Yeah, but he's, he's also 40 years old, making $43 million. And your point is... Nola Ryan pitched till he's 45. Anyway. The disrespect. Justin Verlander is a top 10 pitcher all the time. You disrespect him. He's a top 10, he ain't a top 10 pitcher today. He's a top 10 pitcher in the league. Yes, he is. He literally just won the Cy Young, my guy. And a ring in the same season. That's an asterisk. I'm being, I'm being that guy, yes. Okay. I'm I being petty. Do your thing. Listen, Nerd, listen. Listen, if you're not on my rivals, if you're not on my rivals, <laughs> I will give you my respect. But if you're on the Braves, Nationals, Mets, I'm going to give you any respect. That's crazy. <laughs> By the way, random, random, random side note, the Detroit Lions at 5-7 and seven are currently one-point favorites against the Minnesota Vikings. Well, I'll take that. I'll take that action. Mm-hmm. I think that's enough for our baseball segment. If you want, once again, listen to 98.5 WJYN, the running back sports show, sports for the culture. If you want to call us during the discussion numbers, 215-763-9596. I'm getting them over later. Verlander's awesome. But you're a Met now, so I, I don't care for you. Exactly. But, but you know what I do care for? What? The Philadelphia Eagles, 11-1, with a dominating win over the Tennessee Titans, 35-10. to and Fly, Eagles, fly, baby. Shout out to A.J. Brown for getting the Titans to do a manager fired. Yo, real rap. That's really crazy. He really got John Robinson fired. He cooked that bad. He was like, you know what? What did you say about we couldn't afford him? Well, no, when it was in the budget. and then, No. And then Traylon Burks makes an incredible catch and gets hurt in the same play. Like, it was just not the Titans Sunday at all. Right. At all. At all. Derrick Henry had 30 yards rushing. By the way, one of the dishwashers at my job, he's a Titans fan. Can't wait to see you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Because he was talking crazy. But, um, no, just dominant game from start to finish. The confidence that Jalen has in giving his guys a shot, especially because I think they they specifically wanted to get A.J. involved for this re- in this game. But when they uh, when they can attack teams and do attack teams, I have more confidence in Jalen than I've ever had of him throwing downfield. Yeah. Um, Quez is really settling into this third receiver role or this gadget guy role. Devontae has been electric all year. Hopefully he gets his 1,100 yards. You know what I mean? He's six, seven touchdowns. Um, AJ obviously is going to probably get close to the Terrell number, maybe not get to the T.O. number. His T.O. was 15? He was 14. 14. 
AJ's got what nine or ten? Yeah, I think. If he has ten, we might be on. We might be on. We might be on watch for that. Yeah, he's got nine. He's got nine, so he needs six over the next five games. Yeah. So if he has one multi touchdown game yeah. in there, and, four and, over the and next he needs five three games. to have a career high. Okay. So okay. Okay, so I think he's at least going to get a career high. How many yards do he have, 981? 950. 950, okay, so he's going to get his 1,000 yards. Uh, that's all of them. Unless every single catch he has up into the boys is a one-yard touchdown. That would be hilarious. <laughs> but um, Not the fantasy owners. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, they'd be very upset. But, yeah, no, um, dominating performance, man. We're getting Dallas back. Jordan Davis was obviously limited, but now what you got, Joseph and Sue, you kind of give him the chance to really come back healthy. Um, sweat is rounded into form. So is Reddick. Graham's having a great bounce back year after tearing the ACL last year. And you really like, as much as you know he's not the same player physically anymore, his presence and who he is for this team and his defense, like, it, it, it really matters having him out there. Slay's having a career year. You know, obviously. Bradbury's having a career year. Epps, when he comes, or no, not Epps, when he comes back. Who just got hurt in the secondary? Um, CJ Gardner Johnson. Yes, when CJ comes back. Obviously, Avante will be back soon. Yeah, so. but Reed Blankenship has also been playing really well. So, imagine, you know, you lock down this uh, one seed and you kind of coast the last couple weeks. Then you get that first round by. You're coming into the divisional round with somebody having to walk in a link with a fully healthy team, fully rocking on all cylinders. Like, like I said, you don't have to worry about Jimmy G, at least in that first game. So, San Fran's not a problem. Um I'm not afraid of the Giants, not afraid of the Seahawks, not afraid of Dallas. I really want Dallas in the divisional round. Like, if they're going to be the five seed. Tom Brady will have something to say about that. I know. We've talked about it. Oh, we're going oh, we to oh, get there. We're going to get there. But, um, yeah, no. Uh, I don't think anybody, like I said, in mid-January, cold outside, this team fully healthy, everything clicking. Nobody wants to walk in here. They know what it was like last time when them hungry dogs, them hungry dogs was in there with the mask on. Come on, you know Meek is going to be at the game. You know, AI is going to be at It's going to be like a spirit bomb of Philadelphia energy. Bryce going to be in the stands. Mike Trout going to be sitting next to Bryce. He going to be talking about, like, I'm waving my no trade clause to come here. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If there's any time to tamper, it's when all the vibes is great in the middle of a divisional playoff game, we smacking the Cowboys. Or we smacking the goat. Listen, you just got listen. Mike Trout is an angel for life, man. You gotta let that go. You're right. We get, I'm just saying six we get sacks. A, on, we, we gonna get his teammate next all season though. Six sacks on Brady that night. A nice dominating thirty-one ten victory. Birds do their thing. Then next week we're waiting on Dallas. Or no, no, Dallas will be eliminated in this scenario. Then we will be waiting on. Well, the Giants are gonna get smacked by. San Fran still, I still think even with a rookie quarterback, that's going to happen. And the Vikings will be either the yeah, Commanders so. or the Seahawks. Exactly. So we said the Seahawks is going to beat the South Vikings. So it will be Seattle then. It will be Seattle. We get in that second round instead yeah. of Tom Brady. And then the Brady and them would go to San Fran. San Fran. So then if Brady beats San Fran, so then we get Brady in the NFC title game. That would be hilarious. Getting Brady coming here for the NFC title game. He's 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 two and one. Wait, we was he against the Eagles in the playoffs? He's one and one. Yeah, we could be the only other people besides Eli Manning to have a win. Well, two, well, two and one technically. He's two and one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Super Bowl 39. I forgot. Can't forget. Yeah. Well, we could tie it up. <laughs> but, no, uh, I'm tracking our both fantasy tracking our Super Bowl run. Sorry, y'all. Um, but, yeah, no. Uh, great effort. Great all-around game. I really don't have much to say about this game because I feel like it was perfect. The D-line got a bunch of sacks. We got turnovers. Um, AJ was awesome. Miles did his thing. Jalen did his thing. Like, Jalen Hurts is the MVP. I know Patrick Mahomes is playing well. I know the Chiefs are 9-3 and three and whatever, but the Eagles are 11-1. and one. This is the fourth best start in franchise history. A win against the Giants next week, and I'm pretty sure this is the best start in franchise history. Unless I'm tripping. Mm. Uh, um... I don't really know what else to say. Like, is that giant game in East Rutherford? Or yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's at MetLife Life this weekend. Okay, in the Meadowlands. Got you. Okay. So yeah, um, yeah, I'm excited for that too. By the way. Yeah. No, so. overall, you can't ask for a better offensive performance, especially from Jalen Hurts. Exactly. That looked like the game where it's like, where it's like, I know a lot of us are a little weary about like throwing the ball too much, but. If the game, if you pick any game in your schedule, you wanted to air it out, and you schematically had the advantage to do that, that was the game to do it. The Titans are 29th, either 29th or 31. Either way, they're bottom five in terms of stopping the pass. So the fact that we saw AJ Brown just completely victimize their entire secondary, same with Devontae, you know, Jack Stoll caused some passes as well. Like that's probably the best game in terms of throwing the football I've seen Jalen Hurts play so far. Yeah. And I feel like it's on a weekly basis where it's like we keep seeing a new, better version, more confident version of Jalen Hurts every single week. And that's yeah. very dangerous, especially for this offense when you already know that your offensive line is healthy and you can run the ball. But now when you have that confidence and you have the receivers to back up that confidence in terms of you being confident to throw the ball 25, 20 to 30 times a game, then that's the recipe for success. Yeah. Man, the kid is leading this team, man. It's, yeah. it's special to watch them, like, take command of this team and demand a, a, a level of excellence. It's like – this is going to sound really mean. It's like Russell Wilson, but maybe, like, with more heart. And I don't mean my heart. Like, I guess the mean – I don't know how else to say this. Like, Russell Wilson, if he was actually cool, is what Jalen Hurts is. Like, just like a football <laughs> walking stereotype, but it's like doesn't come off cringy. It's like – no, I really just put this work in, and I just I, I study film, and I talk to my guys, and I, I want to be better. I want to be great, so I lead by example of just trying my hardest to be great. Exactly. And so, um, yeah, I don't really feel like you can ask for much more from this team and from Jalen. Period. Uh, last week, um, let's uh, let's talk about some other games and some other teams around the league, man. Yeah, and real quick, I saw a very. Interesting tweet about Jonathan Gannon that I want to read to the public, to read to everybody who still would have their doubts in regards to him. One second. Anyway. Um, <laughs> fewest passing yards allowed per game. The Eagles are number one, while yep. allowing 178.5 passing yards a game. Mm. They're number one in fewest passing yards allowed per play. And the had number one in lowest opposing passer rating. Mm-hmm. And all these people who wanted Jonathan Gannon tired. I mean, I kind of was one of those people, so I can't be a hypocrite at one point. But I do give credit where credit is doing. He's been awesome this year. Yeah. 
Like I said, it's, oh, it's like almost like if you give a if you give a coordinator better personnel to run your system, it's like your system runs better. It's almost like if they have the guys that can make the plays that they want to make their system based around, it's like their system makes sense. Yeah. Okay. It's like it's almost like we're second in the league in sacks because we have guys who can get to the quarterback. It's like we lead the league in turnovers because we got playmakers and we have the ability to get after the quarterback. Exactly. And everybody's oh and also listen, that small minority in terms of Eagles fans, like stop complaining about oh, we're not aggressive enough. Like, listen, this isn't Buddy Ryan, this isn't Jim Johnson. Like, let it go. You know that's hard for us. I know. But still. There are still plenty of times in which I watched plenty of Jim John, uh playoff games in which Jim Johnson's defense in the playoffs got torched. Yep. Here's the thing: like it's easy to romanticize all the good times in regards to, you know, hardworking lunch pill, you know, defenses, but it's but people really don't want to remember the bad times. Exactly. Yeah, it's like I remember the fact that you know the Eagles were up twenty four thirteen against the greatest show on turf, and then once Mike March realized he was like, oh yeah, I got Marshall Falk. Jim Johnson couldn't stop it. I remember the fact that, for whatever reason, they couldn't stop the Buccaneers' run game. I remember the Super Bowl. No matter what the circumstances was, they couldn't get Tom Brady's off and that Patriot offense off the field. Exactly. It was very weird that they couldn't stop Tom. Yeah, and I remember in 08, as much as much, I love Jerry Johnson so much as the next guy, but let's be real. Larry Fitzgerald. Was Larry Fitzgerald torched them. And there was nothing he could do about it. Sheldon Brown was over there like, I'm fighting for my life. <laughs> I felt bad, like like I felt bad for him. I felt bad for Quentin Depps. I felt I felt bad for everybody. I'm just like, this is not your fault. <laughs> he was giving everybody to work. It's like that video on Twitter where it's like, it's not your fault. It's the coaches. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I get it. So, but like Gannon has been solid. Our t- our defense was top ten last year. It's top five this year. Um. And be honest, like, yeah, our offense has been great and been awesome, but, like, our defense has been just as incredible. It's the reason we're 11-1. And I'm still mad about that one loss at this point because, like, the command is, how dare y'all? <laughs> yeah, but honestly, at this point of the season, the commanders are legit. Yeah. Even, no. even with that tie. like <laughs> Honestly, the tie is more hilarious because it kind of kept both of them in the playoff contention because they didn't get a loss, but neither one of them, neither one of them got a win, but neither one of them got a loss. Yeah. But yeah, some other week thirteen matchups. Let's talk about it. All right, let's talk about prime time. Tom terrific. Uh does it again. Um I'm sorry, like this is one of my favorite Tom Brady seasons ever. I think we've been talking about it the last couple of weeks. It's just like nobody cares. But like it's the corpse of a lot of guys who were good two years ago during their Super Bowl run. The line is falling apart. The defense is not really what it was because it's no more Sue. It's you know, JPP's gone. Like, it's not as dominant as And yet they're 6-6, six and six, and they control their destiny and can wind up getting a home playoff game. And all I'm saying is, is I think we could beat everybody in the league. But do you really want to have to deal with the GOAT here in the link? Like, do you really want to do that? No. We will. And we'll be this unseed, and we'll come out, and, you know, we'll come out with that comment. But nobody really, you really put a, you know. Let's be 100% real. Out of everybody, out of everybody in the field in the NFC, Tom Brady is going to be the only one to not let anything in regards to the link get to him. Exactly. 
So for him, this is a regular Sunday night game in the middle of October. I'm not paying attention to none of this. I don't care if this is on NBC right now. I'm, I'm, like, like, I'm like, yo, Tom, you cold? Cold. Dog, I played in Foxborough for 20 years, bro. This ain't nothing to me. I'm cool. I'm also 14 for 19 right now for 182 yards and two touchdowns in the first half. And a 17-14 going in the half for the Eagles. And it's like a little closer than it should be. You know I'm painting the script. You know what I'm talking about, Chris. I don't want that. I want Minnesota in an NFC title game because they're going to be bent on revenge. They're going to be like, we're going to come back. They embarrassed us this year, 38-7. to And they get their behind whipped again. Oh, no. Anyway. Anyway, thanks. For NFC championship trophy celebration. Yeah. I was like, same thing with the 49ers. <laughs> Yo, if Jalen – I'm just imagining Jalen Hurts holding an NFC title trophy in the middle of the link in January. And it's like, how did we get here? And then I'm also simultaneously imagining Carson Wentz somewhere like, Dang it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, Carson Wentz is such an afterthought here. Like, it's not even funny. Yo. And not even, no, I don't even mean that. Like, a, hey, let's make fun of Carson Wentz. Way. Like, a, yo, mans can't catch a break. It's like, y'all won while I was there, but I wasn't there. And then y'all about to get a ring after me. This is tragic. But, no, um, I mean, man. Media, I'm just thinking about all the stuff that I remember that's coming with the Super Bowl, and it's just like, Super Bowl party we got to throw. It's got to be great. It's going to be awesome. Um, I don't know if we're going to do a par or find somebody's crib or how we're going to do it, but there's definitely going to be some sort of gathering. Yes. So everybody who listens on the airwaves, like, it's going to be good vibes and good times. If the Eagles, I mean, either way, when we watch the Super Bowl, but if the okay. Eagles are in the bowl, you already know. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Steelers, they want too straight. Hey, what did we talk about? My hot take of the week. Mike Tomlin will preserve his losing record streak. He's doing it for the culture. I don't think it. I don't think so, man. I think they can get their nine and eight, bro. Okay. Cleveland's five and seven. Here you go. No, no, no. Go ahead. What? Floor is yours. <laughs> what you mean? I mean, well, just for the record, the Steelers have, well, obviously Lamar's going to be at least missing this 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 game next week against exactly. Pittsburgh, Carolina, it winnable, Raiders winnable, Ravens again, but possibly with Lamar back, and they close the game and they close the season against Cleveland. Ooh, so if you're saying they're eight and eight going into that game and Cleveland is eight and eight or nine and seven, that could be for a playoff spot. With Deshaun Watson warmed up by that point. Are the Jets a joke to you? Yes. They actually are. <laughs> Just rude. They don't have a real quarterback. Mike White came back to Earth. You can't go back to Zach Wilson now at this point, and y'all going to look crazy. Flacco. Playoff Flacco's a thing, man. One time. All you need is one time. First of all, little giants. All right, calm down there. <laughs> I'm just, bro, I'm just saying. All you need is one time. The guy you. went 11 and no in the postseason. He won all his games on the road. I remember that. I was he there. beat Peyton Manning and Tom Brady in back to back weeks. Yeah, in their crib. I know. He outdueled both of them. I know. And he cooked the 49ers defense in the Super Bowl. Bowl. I know. That's one of the greatest runs. That's the Larry Fitzgerald of quarterback runs. He just was on one. <laughs> like, I've never seen a man. I need this ring is what he. <laughs> so, 
I might not be a Hall of Famer like y'all, but watch, I'm about to get this ring though. Oh, like especially the year before. Think about it. If Billy Cundiff doesn't miss that chip, he shot, probably might have back to back rings. rings. I like, know. Joe Flacco was outside. <laughs> Shout out to the tri-state area one time. Delaware's finest. You mean? <laughs> AKA New Jersey's finest. He all in the, yo, he didn't play for us. He friggin' he, he he's from South Jersey. He didn't play for the yo, he is an East Coast bull. Shout out Joe Flacco one time. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, I'm sorry. I got a little excited. I just realized Joe Flacco been out in these streets. The Mile High Miracle. He got an epic playoff win. Yo, that playoff run was legendary. We might have to have a conversation about playoff runs after this. Um yeah, no, but seriously, I think the that I think that'll be the case. If it, it, Mike Tom will preserve his his streak, and the Steelers might either squeak in the playoffs or ruin Cleveland's, or Cleveland's going to play well enough to actually be there at the end, and then they're going to beat they're going to beat the Steelers, and then the NFL is going to be in an awkward position of Deshaun Watson being in a uh, primetime playoff game. So, um, yeah. yeah. But uh no man. Uh obviously Minnesota making it to ten and two. Watch out for the uh watch out for Green Bay. I know we making that joke and we're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. But they're what, five and seven? Five and eight. Five and eight. I'm just saying, if nine and eight gets them in. If the commanders and let's say a commanders and the Giants, the Giants already have six losses, right? Yeah. They're so seven, I'm, six and one. Yeah, seven, five and one. Okay. So but think about it. Like they're they're gonna also need a lot more help next. Remember, Washington beat them earlier this year, so they have the tiebreaker over them. Washington beat Green Bay. Yes. And the Giants. Yeah. And we did. Oh, oh, Dallas didn't know. Woo! <laughs> 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 oh, good time. Play one. Like we, in the end, the NFC East handled their business. Oh wait, Dallas. Oh my bad. Oh my bad. I was gonna say, you know, we all out here dominating. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're five and eight, so they are two game. No, yeah, two and a half games back. Two and a half games back. Which doesn't sound crazy with six to play. Yeah. Anything can happen. Let's say we sweep the Giants, right? Mm-hmm. So that puts them at seven, seven, and one, right? Yeah. And then they lose that other New New York game. Or no, they already got swept by Dallas, right? Yeah. Okay. And then the Commanders win the other game. Right? Yeah. That puts them that puts them at eight. So that ties them with Green Bay, just saying if Green Bay does win out. Right? And then you got Washington would need to lose two two more games to even make it close on a week 18 to and I don't know who they play at that point. But no, uh I am curious to see that all these Buffalo people, Chris. Um Buffalo looks very pedestrian and beatable the last couple of weeks. Listen, baby steps, man. Listen, we already know we won't be at the dance. Well, I mean, you know who's going to be waiting there. Mr. AFC himself. Who? Patty Mahomes. Oh, that's going to say Joe Burrow. No, that's going to be a divisional game with Patty Mahomes and the Bills because Joe Burrow make the playoffs again. And I, mean, mean, I, mean, I mean, now that Buffalo's remains the number one seed. Here you go, Buffalo getting the one seed again. So it was Miami getting the one seed. Now all of a sudden, Buffalo getting the one seed. Listen, again. listen, in the words of uh, Mac, listen, I'm playing both sides. <laughs> Wow! <laughs> I'm just being real. I like both teams. I, I like. I really. I really like Josh Allen, but I really like this Miami squad. I'm a huge fan of Tua. I really like the the swagger and the energy that Tariq Hill's really been bringing to this to this Yo, team. Nobody's talking about that. He's almost changed that culture overnight. Yeah, 
And it's like, you know, the Miami culture was already crazy, you know, just because Miami's like that as far as a place. But, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah. So, right now, we're doing this each week. Super Bowl. Has your Super Bowl prediction changed? Which my Super Bowl prediction was Bills and Eagles. Yes. No. That hasn't changed yet. Okay. Um, my Super Bowl prediction has been Eagles Chiefs. It has not changed yet. Eagles Bengals would be a would be nice, but that's if that's if, that's if Patrick Mahomes has to come up against Joe Shiesty again. You know, because he got that boy number. Anyway. What you mean, anyway? <laughs> the rest of the games. Oh, I can't wait to this. Buff- uh, you know what would be even better? Bengals, Bills, AFC title game. So you can finally see your boy take this L. Take what L? And then see him go back. And then the Bengals go back to back-to-back Super Bowls. But they're going to take an L to the Eagles. So it doesn't matter. Take what L? What you mean, what L? What L? In that AFC title game. What else? Again. So Joe Burrow can get back-to-back AFC titles. You mean we're going to watch this game when it touchdown pass to Gabriel Davis? I hear you mean this game when it touchdown pass to Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd? Tyler Boyd is better than Gabe Davis. Listen, if anything, T. Higgins is going to make that tough game when it catches. Well, T. Higgins is better than your whole receiving core. Okay, first of all, stop lying. What you mean? Stop lying. What you mean? Stop capping. You know damn well. Damn well Stefan Diggs is a top five receiver. In the Canadian Football League. You talking about me being disrespectful. How? He's not better than Jamar Chase, so it don't matter. Yes, he is. He's not. He is. He's not though. He is though. He's not though. He, he's him. The, yeah, he is, but Jamar Chase is Himmer. <laughs> Hans Himmer. I'm sorry. The, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, who had the Minneapolis miracle? That lucky catch. Lucky. It was lucky. It was a, a sideline out, and Marcus Williams folded. <laughs> that was a. That's not. That's not like a Marcus Williams problem. That's crazy. It be your own people. Walk offs. All I'm saying. Oh, now I, I now I want this to happen because like I, this got to stop. Yeah, no, I, it, it needs to happen. It's destiny now. At this well, point. I, well, like, so, so like, like Kansas City move aside. Kansas City, yeah, we got It needs to be Bills Bengals. So I need Chris to stop showing this disrespect to people. Like, why are you not on this train? What train? The Cleveland train. You mean the Cincinnati train? Oh, yeah, the Cincinnati train. Yeah, you know what I meant. <laughs> One, I'm just saying, somebody. So, out of the two quarterbacks we talking about, who has an AFC title win? Who actually went in the arrowhead and won a playoff game? I'm sorry. I'm no, 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 no,
Listen, what? Oh, oh, what's your what's your favorite saying? Listen, if you leave the field with a lead, <laughs> oh, now you, now you believe in that saying? Huh? Oh no 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 no! I'm just saying I'm just saying. Listen. Now you so you now you're saying you saying now you believe in that saying? No, I, I never said I didn't. I'm just saying like I'm just using your words. Like those are your words, not mine. That's crazy. You're like yo, if you leave the field with a lead, I can't say nothing about you. This man really left the field with a lead for 13 seconds, never got the ball back, and then got sent home. That's crazy. Because they did not know how to do. Because <laughs> they didn't know how to cover a stop and go around on Travis Kelsey. It'd be like that sometimes, bro. It really don't. For 13 seconds left? It'd be like that sometimes. I'm just saying. Right. I'm just saying. But, uh, no. Uh, yeah, no. Exciting times. Any uh, NFL. We're starting to round in the playoff form. Starting to see some awards. We never got to do a midseason award. So... Okay. Let's do awards now before we uh, transition to, I guess, NBA basketball. Geno Smith for MVP. All right, and NBA basketball. (laughs) (laughs) I believe in you, Geno. (laughs) All right, so let's start from the least prestigious award, Comeback Player of the Year. Who do you have as your Comeback Player of the Year? Brian Robinson. I got Brian Robinson too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. Just off the interest alone. Just off the mini mint interest alone. Maybe that Joe was, was I'm not even gonna lie. I don't care about being a commanders fan or whatever. That was hard. Like and then he's actually balling. I think he got like six or seven touchdowns at this point already. Yeah. Something so, like that. Um, maybe less. Who knows? So Oh man, so our first in unison, so unanimous Brian Robinson is comeback player of the year. Okay. Defensive rookie of the year. Ooh. You want to say it or you want me to say it? No, you can go ahead. You can say it. I think we got two different picks. Hmm. Sauce. Good. My boy from Seattle, Sri Woolen. Ooh. You can't go wrong with either pick. Second lowest passer rating uh, when targeted. And also one of the league leaders in interceptions. Exactly. Yep. No, I, I, I 100%. A complete uh, steal from the fifth round, man. I told everybody this man was going to be the next Antonio Cromartie. I wanted this man. <laughs> I saw this guy at Senior Bowl. I'm like, this guy is how tall? It runs a 4-3-40? Howie, what are you doing? I mean, <laughs> and yeah, we got Bradbury, so I'm not really complaining. So. <laughs> but <laughs> Willow would have been nice. Yeah. Offensive rookie of the year. I think we might be in agreement on this one. Kenneth Walker. I know he slowed down the last couple of weeks, though. Hold on. Let me let me double check before I. Chris Olave has been balling, and I know that's who you probably want to say. Yeah, Chris Olave is my pick. 60 catches, 887. Well, he's almost 1,000 yards. And. In spite of the quarterback play, if he had better quarterback play, that's a thousand yards and ten TDs. How many touchdowns do you have? He only has three. Oh god! Like I said, if he had better quarterback play, <laughs> who else has been balling as a rookie? Oh, Garrett Wilson's been balling also. Oh yeah, let me check Garrett Wilson's stats. I got you right here: fifty-seven catches, seven hundred ninety yards, four touchdowns. So doesn't even have really. I mean, I mean, a lot of they have very similar stats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Sucks about Brees Hall. I liked I liked him before he went down. Yeah, he would have probably won. He would have probably easily won offensive rookie of the year. Yeah. So I think it is gonna wind up being 
Walker. Or one of the Ohio State rides. Yeah. And I think Walker, because Seattle's going to be competing down the stretch, is going to get the ball. He's going to be in these big games. So. Yeah. Let's see. All right, defensive player of the year. I think we both can agree on this. Michael Parsons. Michael Parsons. Yeah. He's balling. Yeah, like, he's a monk. I want him over Smitty. Everybody else want to say it, and everybody else want to act like it's okay because Devontae's pretty good. We should have Michael Parsons and A.J. Brown. I don't care what nobody else say right now. I had to get that off my chest. First of all, we would have done what we needed to do. We have Justin Jefferson. And we'd have Michael Parsons. Bruh. Bruh. We'd have Justin Jefferson and Michael Parsons right now. I love you, Howie. You made up for some stuff, but golly. Killing me. Uh, man. Offensive player of the year. Uh, Justin Jefferson. I know Tyreek is balling, but Justin Jefferson. Like I can't imagine Minnesota is tending to without him. I'm, I'm going. I'm going to go with Sheeta. Uh, Twelve. Let's say three killed. Ninety-six catches. Bruh. Thirteen hundred. 79 yards, five touchdowns. Justin Jefferson, 88 catches, 1,277 yards, six TDs. I think it's really a toss-up. You yeah. go with either one. You go cheetah or you Yeah, honestly, at this point, like, offensive player of the year, it's, it's a skill position award because we all know MVP is pretty much quarterback-based now. Exactly. So it's like offensive player of the year is normally – it should be – if you're going to do that, I think it should just be the best non-quarterback offense and then make MVP a quarterback award because that's pretty much what it turns into. Yeah. Unless it's like Derrick Henry or – did Derrick Henry win MVP the year he went? No. 2000? No. A-Rod did. Yeah. He was a finalist. <sighs> I think A-Rod – I think the last running back to win MVP was uh, AP. Yep. Uh, 2012. I remember that. I remember that year. Yeah. Came back from the A's torn ACL and ran for two stacks. Yeah. And, God. and he was like nine yards away from breaking the record, single season record. And I think Derrick Henry was like 13 yards or something like that. Yeah. Jamal Lewis was balling back in the day. But yeah. Um, and MVP. I mean, Jalen Hurts. It's still going to be Mahomes. You think it's going to be Mahomes? Yeah. You lost to Hill, and you're still on pace to throw the lead league at touchdowns and still throw for over 5,000 yards. That's insane. That is freaking insane. And all due respect to the Chiefs depth chart. And Mark, was, your best receiver is Juju Smith. Like, Yeah. It's Juju Smith, Schuster, Valdez, Scantling, and Sky Moore. I understand Travis Kelsey does a lot for your offense, but still. That's your receiver core. Yeah. If I told you that was Justin Fields' receivers, people would be laughing. But because of Mahomes, he just makes it work. Yeah. But I still think that have winning, having the best record, being a leader should all matter. So I think Jalen should win MVP. Yeah. I, I agree also. Um, I feel like I saw something where it's like if he averages at least 78 yards rushing a game throughout these last five games mm-hmm. and is still on pace to have the same amount of passing yards, He'll be the first quarterback in NFL history to have 4,000 yards passing and 1,000 yards rushing. 
That would be crazy. Yep. That would be super crazy. I cannot wait till this game against the Giants. It's the best start. We can be off to the best start in franchise history. Yep. Excited, man. Yep. Once again, you're listening to 98.5 WJYN, the Redman Sports Show, Sports for the Culture. If you want to call to join the discussion, that number is 215-763-9596. And also, I know Odell's your guy, but am, I'm, I'm t- am I the only one that's tired of the Odell Cowboy like same thing? I just want this to be over. Either sign a man or don't. Apparently, I don't know if you saw the report that you know they saw something weird with his medicals about how his um his knee has been progressing. So now I guess that that might be out there and that might make him damage goods for some people looking to get at him or whatever the case may be. So we'll see how that's going to go. Yeah. But no, um, I'm a. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say I think he's going to go wind up with the Cowboys. Seems like they're doing the most flirting. There's, I don't think – I don't the buy this courting. story. Yeah, I don't buy this story for a second. Um, I think Jerry's going to extend an offer. And if not, I still think he winds up going to – I think he winds up going to the Giants because he thinks he can help the Giants. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so five games left of the regular season, mm-hmm. and we're probably going to have a really unforgettable postseason on the horizon. Oh, yeah, one of the best in recent history. Yep. I would say so. Because I feel like everything is like kind of on cruise control now. Like, once those playoffs hit, it's going to be something different. Yeah, I can't wait. Playoff football at the link again, man. Once again, it's going to feel weird not hearing Bucket Aikman on Fox. It is. As much as I hate them, I like when we call our playoff games. Yeah. Yeah, that pass is picked off. Gets a block. Bradbury. (laughs) Touchdown, no flags. (laughs) (laughs) The Joe Buck Buck starter kit. Yeah. No flags. You got to say no flags. Yeah. Uh, um, I am curious to see what the NFC title game ends up being because I know it's going to be here, but I just yeah. wonder who's coming in here. It's going to be Tom. Is it somehow going to be Dallas? Yeah. You also heard the report now that Jimmy could be back for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah, but you know, moving on to a different topic, um, you know, college football, you know, definitely had a really busy weekend. Obviously, with the conference title games, the college football playoffs are officially set. It'll be TCU versus Michigan at four thirty on New Year's Eve, followed by Georgia and out Ohio State at the eight o'clock game. But that wasn't the biggest news. One of the biggest news that took over this entire weekend of college football was the departure of Deion Sanders leaving Jackson State to go teach, do a coach, a Pac-12 team, at University of Colorado. Yes. Obviously, Prime has been waiting a very long time to finally get his opportunity to coach a Power 5 school. Uh, 
you know, years ago there was reports that he wanted the FSU job, but because of the fact that he had no experience whatsoever in terms of coaching at the collegiate level, he had no opportunity in terms of getting to that. So obviously he went to Jackson State, did everything he could over the past three years in ter- uh, as coach, you know, back-to-back undefeated seasons, giving them, giving them titles, uh, back-to-back uh, SW SWAC. SWAC titles. Mm-hmm. And now he's taking his talents over to the West Coast, to Pac-12 division, to a 1-11 one, one Colorado team to try to rebuild that program. I mean, what a ride. What a journey. I think some people are upset and are taking some of this the wrong way and not really necessarily seeing what the bigger picture is. As yes, he said he wanted to put down roots in Jackson State, but at the end of the day, he was putting out a lot of money. At the end of the day, he was taking a lot of resources, a lot of things, and a lot of ways that he couldn't compete with these bigger schools. All the attention that you needed to see and needed to show was brought to these SWAC teams, and I'm glad to see that. But now he can go to a Power 5 school, and with the money that Colorado's going to put behind him, not only the money that he'll be making, Coach Prime can turn that program into something special and put his name even more on the map, and more black coaches will get opportunities, and more former black players will get opportunities to coach these teams. Yeah. And also, not to mention, it was kind of timing. So, not this year, but the following year, USC and UCLA will go to the Big Ten, which pretty much kind of leaves like a power vacuum in the Pac-12. So, at that point, if Dion does what he needs to do in regards to recruiting and coaching up, he could run the Pac. He could run the Pac-12 easily. So, really, the only competition that would really be left is out in Oregon. Yeah, that's if Dan Lanning decides to stay, but. Obviously, you know, it's kind of unfortunate that he leaves, but in the end, as messed up as this is going to sound, it's in the end, it's a business. I understand he made those promises to those kids, which in terms of if I'm 10 years younger and see the fact that he made all these kids promises saying, like, like, like come to my school, I'm going to take care of your kid and everything else, and then just bolt, I would definitely feel some type of way about that. Mm-hmm. Like, two things can be mutually exclusive and both right. So, but also at the same time, it's like, he was only making three hundred thousand dollars there, and reportedly he donated half his salary to make sure that they got the facilities needed in order for them to have a functioning program. Because remember, if it rained before they fixed up that before they fixed up that field, they had to go to a neighboring high school stadium to go go ahead and have practice. Exactly, their facilities were absolutely like unusable. He even said, and we all know how big high school football is in Texas. He said, listen, the resources they had for high school football in Texas State and high school stadiums and the weight rooms and everything else, those were better resources than what he had when he originally came to Jackson State. That says a lot. So Prime is putting all this money in, you know, donating half a salary to make sure they got a new field, they got new lockers, they got new equipment. The fact that there was a, there was a shortage with water going down it's time during Mississippi. And not to mention, like, the guy lost – the guy was also literally fighting for his health also there lost, as well. He lost two toes. Yeah. So, at that point, like – and also my thing is, like, oh, he didn't stand enough time there. Like, how much time does specifically he had to stay down there in order for you to be su- – suffice in terms of his impact down there? 
because if he would have stayed a few more years and still bolted, I'm pretty pretty much he still would have complained. It's never enough. Exactly. So he did literally everything he can. He got a Pepsi, got a four hundred million dollar Pepsi deal um, to make sure you know those guys had sponsorships. He did everything for that school, and I'm pretty sure like even with him leaving, he still is probably still gonna throw some time. Because in the end, money rules. In in the end, money. If you don't have money, you don't really control anything. And in the end, if you have bad money, you're, there's really not much your reach could possibly do. And now, even with the money that he's making in, in Colorado, I'm pretty sure he's still going to send a couple thousand, like probably like a million or so, back to Jackson State to make sure that that program is still sustainable. Exactly. Because <laughs> whether people took it seriously or not, the program existed before he did. But now it will exist in a different light. And, of course, he's going to leave somebody – at least one of his guys is gonna take over. Keep this energy going. Keep these guys alive. Keep this, keep this momentum for these young men alive. Yeah. So it's gonna be awesome to see Coach Prime as a as a Power Five coach. Exactly. And in the end, like it's like in the end, like, like I said, it's messed up to say because I know he made a lot of promises. But in the end, it's a business. It's no different from when Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma. It's no different when Brian Kelly left Notre Dame to LSU. Mm-hmm. It's no, it's no different when you had a bunch of recruits came in off the strength of Urban Meyer, and the reason why they wanted to come to Ohio State is because of Urban Meyer. And then all of a sudden he had to step down, and Ryan Day takes over. It's no different than any other coach leaving. Exactly. No. Um. Yeah. No. Um. I'm excited to see, you know, Shador is going to get a chance to play in a Power Five conference and probably get his name on the radar for the NFL. And, you know, if if Dion can pull Alonzo Ball here and get this program on the ground and also get his son drafted, I mean, that's legendary in and of itself, you know. Yeah. Not to mention, like, um, Transfer Portal officially opened up yesterday, and Dion's already getting recruits. He's already getting transfers. <laughs> And not to mention, I think one of the biggest caveats that people are missing in regards to Dion's move to Colorado, it wasn't just the fact for him to get an opportunity to coach a Power Five. It was also to make sure that the staff that he's bringing over also got paid as well. Exactly. So, like, I'm making three hundred thousand. Like, in the end, money does like the money that he was making that was cool. But donating half of that, Dion's good. He wanted to make sure that the guys that were also in the trenches with him were also good as well. Exactly. And that's what I think people need to realize is that if you're in the trenches with me, you know, trying to make sure that, you know, that everybody else in the school is good, I'm going to make sure y'all good as well. I'm going to take care of y'all as much as y'all try to take care of me. Exactly. Um, exciting times, man. Exciting times for seeing this family and for college football in general. And it's going to be awesome to see Dion be able to, you know, now Colorado games matter. Yeah. Ain't gonna be playing in them late night Pac-12 Mountain games too. Oh, Can't wait to stay up to watch. <laughs> right after I finish watching Trailblazers versus Kings, Maternal <laughs> Colorado versus Utah, baby. I'm like, it's one o'clock in the morning. Midway through the third. What? What's going on? <laughs> but, but anyway. Like, in the end, I understand, you know, because personally, I've never been to an HBCU, so I don't under, so for me, I don't understand the legitimate plights that you guys are going through in regards to an HBCU, 
But also at the same time, it's like when we talk about Power Five coaches, especially black coaches in college football, what is the what's probably the biggest black coach's name in college football right now? Dion. Before that, it was James Franklin, but now it's Dion. Let's be honest. The moment Dion came, became a coach, it became Dion. Yeah. If, we, if we're being honest. Yeah, so this is an opportunity for it's like if he goes to Colorado, you know, he does what he needs to do, you know, revise that program, they're in a bowl game, and then next thing you know, they gradually get better and better, and they eventually win a playoff. Let's just say, like, because now going on next year, it's a 12-team playoff. So let's say in a few years they finally win their Pac-12 championship game and they're in the postseason. Of like then again, then that opens up the door for another team, like like a Florida team, like like Florida State or Miami, or like an Auburn, to you know open up that checkbook to get prime there. Because we've seen like over the past three years is that in Dion's short time as a college coach, his impact and his ability to not only get players to gravitate towards him. Mm-hmm. But also to bring the best, but also his message to say like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do whatever it takes for you to get to the NFL. It's, no real shit, me. Yeah, like that travels, and it's like nobody else really understand. I feel like Dion's a coach in which, if anybody else, he you will want to play for him more than anybody else. And now, it's not the fact that you're in a Power Five. Is there any other coach would you rather? Would you rather play with outside of probably outside of Nick Saban? No, that I can think of in the country, like from offensive player Lincoln Riley, maybe. But if you just ask an overall coach and overall somebody who I know can get me to Sundays or who somebody who can look at me and be like, I can make you a Hall of Famer because I know what that takes. I'm gonna go play for Dion. Yeah. Once again, man, congrats to Coach Prime. Seriously. Wish you all the best of luck in Colorado. My guy. Yep. And once again, you're listening to 98.5 WJYD, yeah, the right of Bass Sports for the Sports for the Culture. If you want to call to join the discussion, that number is 215-763-9596. And, man, man, we're at the top of the hour at 7 o'clock. Hmm. Wait, what's going on? I was. Uh, I just realized, like, we, we talked about the Phillies, we talked about the Eagles, we talked about Dion, and we still got about an hour left. Oh gosh. Oh yeah, one year, seventeen and a half million dollars for Cody Bellinger. Yeah, low risk, high reward. <laughs> Love that deal, but I'm sorry, man, but we got to talk about it. What? Probably the, the least, the least exciting Philadelphia sports team in town right now. Who? The Philadelphia 76ers. Boo! And which the good news is James Harden came back last night. The bad news is they lost to the Rockets in double overtime, and Joel Embiid fouled out. <sighs> you love to see that. And by love to see that, I mean you don't love to see that no. at all. Is it? Oh my god, this team is really unwatchable. 
It's terrible. That's why I have not gotten invested in the season. It was like for a week they almost got me when we had our little bench sixers run. And it was like, oh, I think I'm going to watch this. And then he came back and dropped 50. And it was like, this is awesome. And then it was just like, all right, this sucks now. Yeah, then I don't understand. I don't understand. Like, I've never grown so much of an apathy towards the Philadelphia 76ers. Especially with the expectations of what they have more than this season. And it's not even like one of those things where it's like, if we do this, this solves everything. No, it's a multitude of problems. Yeah. It's poor roster construction. Poor coaching. Poor coaching. And let's be real, at this point, it's poor general managing. Daryl Morey. Yep. And honestly, like you can say, listen, say what you want about James Harden, say what you want about Joel Embiid, say what you want about Doc, but all of them are getting justifiably criticized, and only one of them has managed to continue to avoid any sort of accountability or blame in regards to any of this, and that's Daryl Morey. That's your boy. That is not my boy. <laughs> those Rockets, no, no, you was a fan of those Rockets teams. I was a fan of James Harden. Hurt. Don't do that. No, that's still your boy, though. First of all, I was in the union for a long time. I ain't never missed no GM um. meeting. <laughs> No, but seriously, no. Um, Daryl Morey, man, is uh, – I don't know what's going on with this team. And it feels like this team is stagnant and stuck in a malaise. And, it, like, it looks like everything is all good. And on the surface, it should be. But something really doesn't sit right. And honestly, like, this is a microcosm for a lot of Philadelphians, like, mental health state. It's like everything looks good. And on the surface, we look okay. But, like, really? We, like, one bad day away from, like, a complete mental collapse. So, um – yeah, talk about it's the team taking on the uh, identity of its city. Yeah, and like it's not even those things. It's not even like this team is like giving everything it can on the offense band, and, and it, it's completely different because the original process Sixers were like you lack the necessary talent for you to win. Those guys play hard, and like you can accept those losses because they're not in a position to properly win yet because they don't know how to win. This is a team in which they've had back-to-back 50-win seasons. Yep. They've, at one point, they were number one seed two years ago. You have a top 15 coach all-time in Doc Rivers, who was the NBA champion, and nothing about this is correlating in terms of any sort of sustainability at all, especially winning. Nah. Maybe you're trying to maybe you're trying to recreate the 2017 Rockets five years later. Maybe maybe that just wasn't the move. Uh, I don't know if you're trying to be smart to my man's Daryl Morey, but um, he's trying out here. All right, everybody wanted to see the 2017 Rockets, including you. No, I did not. <laughs> you wanted Tyrese Halliburton. I wanted Tyrese Halliburton. Yes. And Buddy Hill. Yes. 
And draft picks, yes. It would have been lit. But, um, All I'm saying, Danny Ainge would have done that deal. We don't have Danny Ainge. I'm just saying. It's not appreciated if you didn't see his name on our uh, show. I'm just saying, any GM with any sort of creativity would have found a way to properly maneuver Ben Simmons. Instead of just trying to recreate the same project that couldn't get you to an NBA Finals. If we had Jason Tatum, none of this happens. I don't even agree with that because what 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 can go wrong will go wrong with the Sixers team. It always has been. That's been their identity. If anything else, the Sixers' identity have always been, if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. That's literally the Sixers' identity over the past six years. So, when do you want to have the conversation that we need to have about tearing it down and trading and beat? Apparently, we got to wait. Honestly, I'm just another bad loss away from that, from that happening. We're going to save that for the next bad loss. We'll be on the show. Oh, I, I, it's not even the fact that I want to get rid of Indy. And I'm just like, what's the point? Like, I'm sorry, like, did you watch any of that game last night? No, not at all. Okay. I'm going to tell you this right now. And this is perfect Philadelphia basketball. Tobias Harris had the best game of the season last night. What? He really did. And the last three minutes of the game and going into overtime, the only offense that they the only offense they done for the, for those eight minutes before the second overtime was Joel Embiid pick and roll, and it did not work. Tobias Harris didn't touch the ball at all. There's no ball movement, no rotations. It was just overall just bad offense. That's not a good draw. That sounds terrible. It is. See, you're worse in person. Like, Joel and B, like, obviously. You went to the game? It's in Houston, man. Oh, I thought it was here. No, like, and to make matters worse, Joel and B is doing jump passes at the free throw line now. I'm just. It was just not a pleasant game to watch at all. And it was completely winnable. But we all know how much the Sixers like love making it hard for themselves, even when they don't need to. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And once again, you're listening to 98.5 WJYND, running by Sports Show Sports for the Culture. Um, if you want to call to join the discussion, that number is 215-763-9596. If you got any football-related questions, basketball-related questions, baseball-related questions, college football, we are your station here at 98.5 Uptown Radio Philly. Oh man. Um Yeah. So let's is there anything around the league that you want to talk about? Uh not really. 
really, man. Uh, I think we really kind of covered everything about NFL, NBA, and oh, the NBA. Uh, shout out to the Pacers. Uh, you know that's been my little like pet project. I love me some Rick Carlisle. Um, Thorin's been balling, Man- Manorhand or whatever his name, Manhand, Marhan. The rookie point guard had 30 and 10 the other night. Tyrese is obviously leading the league in assists. Like, I hope they make the playoffs. I hope they're well represented at the All-Star game. It's good to see him being in basketball. Obviously, like that beam. Like that beam. Like that beam. Shout out to the beam team, Sacramento. Um, Yeah, those are my only two teams I'm really watching besides, you know, begrudgingly paying attention to the Sixers. Listen, the only solace that I got in regards to the NBA season is that I now know the reason why the Suns lost the NBA Finals now. Why? It was the Kardashian curse. Thank you. Here you go. (laughs) How do you know Chris Paul was the one? How do you know he wasn't? Kanye could be lying. I don't know. Like Kanye, she's like a trustworthy guy. <laughs> By the way, why is Baker Mayfield playing for the Rams? Because because they're putting their season away. But no, yeah. seriously, I think they also get a compensate um, compensation complimentary pick. By picking up Baker Mayfield. That's crazy. Yeah. R.I.P. Kirstie Alley, by the way. Yeah. Well, yeah, just. We're losing a lot. R.I.P. Her, R.I.P. Jason David Frank. R.I.P. Even before that, R.I.P. Kevin Conroy. Just, 2022's been rough. Oh, yeah, by the way, PWI ranked the Usos as the number one tag team in 2022. Yes, we the ones. Because we all know y'all the twos. And we do. But well-deserved. Seriously. Honestly, right, Rosal, if you watch the WWE product on a consistent basis, you know that they're probably the most consistent act in all of WWE. Like, everybody loves Roman and, you know, but, like, as he begins to integrate more, like, into a spart- part-time, sporadic role, premium live event guy, big premium live event guy, uh, the Usos has been holding it down. No, they have. Um, they've been in their bag. They've been, uh, they've been killing the game, to be honest. Uh, just just this year alone, uh, renewing the rivalry with the New Days, doing stuff with the Brawling Brutes. War games, like, obviously the ongoing storyline with Roman, just, like, a multitude of things, man. The Usos have never been, like, higher. It's, like, awesome to see that Rakishi, you know, had small amounts of main event toes, like, tipping his toe in the water, so to speak. Armadale held himself. He just took the biggest spot of the match. But for to see his boys actually out there balling, to see, you know, 
Umaga never really got to really be a main eventer. Obviously, the only you know two members of that family that have really gotten a main event until this generation is Yoko and The Rock. You know, so um, it's awesome to see his boys like really get to be taken seriously and put that to put the tag team division on their back. And I'm sure he's a proud father in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. I still, I'm still thinking about that match they had with the Street Profits and Money in the Bank. It was so good. Was it really that good? It was. I'm still thinking about the Hell in the Cell with the New Day from 2017. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're... Ladies and gentlemen, we're sorry. We're actually just going to cut the show early today. We Sorry, we just don't have it. We burned through our topics, like, so fast. <laughs> and both of us are really sleepy as bad, both of our bedtimes. I'm sorry. We just don't have it today. But definitely, uh, but be sure to tune in in two weeks' time for our third-year anniversary show. Yes, sir. Yep. It's going to be legendary. Absolutely, man. Three years here at Uptown Radio, I I couldn't be blessed for you know the fact that I the fact that we've made Uptown Radio our home, and the fact that our our fan base has continued to grow. Like our just the brand here just continues to grow. Like I've gotten the numbers, like our followers have increased by sixteen percent, and it's just been good to see, man. All the positive feedback we're getting, all the new subscribers, the ratings that we've been getting on Apple Podcasts. Like, it's been amazing. And from the bottom of our heart, we just can't thank you enough. Yes, sir. Yep. So we're going to cut it early tonight. In the meantime, until next time, this has been Chris Thomas. Jamal Thomas. And you've been listening to the Running Back Sports Show, Sports for the Culture, every Tuesday from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern. Well, in this case, 6 to 7.20. (laughs) Peace. Be safe. Drive safely out here. Take care.